I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Lady AD Show, welcome to talking about books, anything about books, from reading them, from writing them, to publishing them. From the technical detail of how to get your book into print to just talking about the process of being an author and anything to do with books that would please a bibliographile. much for joining me. I'm talking with Paul Kilpatrick, who is the business partner of with Andrew Burleson. You produce the online services for betabooks.co. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's right. Tell me a little bit about Better Books. <laughs> I still can't say it. It's okay. It's one of those uh, English English language we say beta and beta, and over here we say beta, and in, say in the beta. UK people say beta. And beta. It's... It's, you know, it's a Greek letter, so who knows how it's right. supposed to sound. Betabooks.co. Yeah. How did that evolve? How did that start off, Paul? Well, uh, so Andrew and I are friends, and he lives in San Francisco now, but when we started, he lived about two blocks from me, um, and he's a computer programmer by trade, and he had written a novel for NaNoWriMo, decided he was going to send it out to beta readers, and he did. He sent it out via email and Word docs and PDFs. Uh, I think he sent it out to seven people about and he began getting emails back, and he was very excited by the feedback, and he then began to make changes to his manuscript, and then he sent it out to some more people, and very quickly, he lost track of who had which version of his manuscript, who had given him feedback. Um, all the feedback he was receiving was in emails, and so he lost track of some things he was trying to integrate into his revisions. It just became a, a headache organizationally. And he had asked me to read the book as well, and I had not gotten around to it. So we were having dinner together one night, and he said, you know, as a programmer, I could probably fix this problem. It's a headache and it wastes a lot of my time. I think I've wasted hours already trying to organize things into spreadsheets and separate files. Do you think that sounds like a good idea? And I said, that sounds like a great idea. You should totally do that. And when you have it ready, then I'll read your book on the service, <laughs> which was which was my clever way of, of buying myself a little more time uh, because I had not gotten around to reading his book. But he was very diligent and basically created the the roughest functional version in about two weeks. And so then I had to start reading his book. But that was initially what happened is he had, he had a lot of real headaches with the organizational side of running a, a beta. And, and I mean, that's a story we've heard over and over is that 
once you start sending out your manuscript, you're invariably going to get an email back from one or two people saying, well, I couldn't open this, or can you send it as a PDF, not a Word document? And then you can't remember who has what. I mean, I talked to someone recently who has a, an assistant that they've hired just to be answering emails to take the feedback and put it in a spreadsheet so they don't lose anything. And I was like, well, we do all that for you. Is betabooks.co a website or an app? Technically, it's called a web app. So it's a web application that just lives on the internet. So it's software that's on the internet. So just like your email, your Google Docs is a web app. It's also a web app. You've put it together to help authors. And it's to help authors have their books read. Uh, it's to help them organize that and get, get better books made, and then also to help them connect with that kind of community of, of beta readers and early readers, who for a lot of authors turn into their most passionate fans and their most stalwart supporters, and also just to save time. I think beta reading is really important as for, the, for an, you know, somebody writing a book, that it should be very much part of their process. I can think of very few reasons not to do it. I've definitely met many authors who have chosen not to do it. Normally, it's because of time constraints. But all the people I've spoken to, after they've done it once or twice, would never go back to not. I'm not going to tell any author how they have to write their books, because one of the reasons people like to write is because they're idiosyncratic and have their own process, and that, that freedom is valuable to them. But I, I would encourage anyone who's an author to try it once or twice, because in addition to getting that really important feedback and having things pointed out and knowing what people find special about your books through those conversations. So just a really good fight into the process. We then are much more invested in your books than you as an author. Whereabouts in the writer-author's journey do you think beta reading should come? Or early? We've had, I think, over a thousand books now uh, on the site that authors have, have betaed. And we definitely see people doing it at all different stages of the writing process. Some people do it very much towards the end. Um, other people do it before they even do a single editorial pass. Andrew and I both find that like, if you have done a good editorial pass or two and have it in a state that is close to what you are envisioning, then you can bring in people and get some feedback. Because if you wait too long and you discover an error, you're going to be much more resistant internally to doing the work to correct it. And you're, it's going to be harder to take that feedback honestly as a, as a writer. And if you do it too early you're not giving someone a product that they can honestly assess. Does it matter whether the book is fiction or non-fiction? Not at all. The majority of people uh, on beta books are doing fiction, but there's actually a, a pretty strong non-fiction uh, group there as well. I think in some cases, non-fiction, it can be even more important because if you're not communicating the thing you're trying to teach clearly, then the whole point of your book is, is mostly moot. So take me through the process then. I'm writing a book and I've got it to a point where it's maybe past its first draft, but it's still in its you know, proofreading and editing stage. But that's really not the role of the beta reader, is it? Not generally. Some people we, we know have kind of met people who are beta readers and then over a period of numerous books, those people have evolved into editors or into copy editors. But really, it's more like, like a test screening of a film. So when someone finishes a film, they might get an audience in just to give some feedback and then they'll know oh, what's working, what's not working, what are people responding to and not responding to, just to kind of get an opinion that is outside of just a small group of people, the author, the editor, agents. Similar to maybe bands playing songs on the road just to see what they're going to put on the album, just to try stuff out. So it's trying it out and trying it out with some real readers who are going mm -hmm. to give good feedback. How does an author put that book up? 
So on, on beta books, you sign up, it's real simple, and you can upload a book. You can either copy and paste your chapters in, or there's a bulk importer where you format your document with heading markers, and it'll just separate all the chapters and put it up there. There's a free trial on Betabooks, so anyone can upload a book and invite three people to read. It's actually, it's a, technically, it's a very simple process. On Betabooks, all books are private. Once you upload, there's no danger of anyone stumbling across it, taking it for their own. The only people that can see a book are people that you have explicitly invited, and then you can also see how far they've read, if they've read. But it's not formatting. It doesn't format the book in any way. It actually is a, it's pre-typeset is how we think of it. Beta reading should happen before typesetting because once you're typesetting, that should be the last thing you do before your book goes out to the public. Now, one thing we do do is we optimize the book for tablets and mobile. So once it's uploaded through the website, uh, depending on what a reader is reading on, we optimize it for either the computer screen, the phone, the tablet, which is important because what we've found is that about 70% of beta readers are doing all their reading on a mobile device. Upwards of 90% are doing at least some of their reading and commenting on a mobile device. So most of the people who are reading these days are reading on an electronic, electronic device that's smaller than a laptop. Hey, that was really interesting. The author can tell the reader what they're looking for, can't they, in their mm -hmm. particular chapter? So if they yep. want them to concentrate on the actual character, whether his or her description is working well, or whether it's the plot, they can be quite directional in what they want the beta reader to look at. Yeah, so right now, the way the site is set up, authors can enter a book-wide feed feedback or critique guidance and then chapter guidance on every chapter, either at the beginning or the end of the chapter. Basically, that's designed to give authors as many options for guiding and directing their readers as they want. Some people just want to say, hey, this is the book. It's a mystery. Did you buy into it? Did you guess the person? And they just have that one piece of book-wide feedback. Other people want to direct people by chapter and say, in this chapter, you know, it's the meet cute. Do you buy the chemistry between the main characters? And so they cue people at the beginning of the chapter. Other people don't want people to have any anything coloring the read of a chapter so they'll have something at the end. In this chapter, w was it suspenseful? Were you bored? Did you skim? So we try to provide as many options for authors to gently direct readers as possible. You said right at the beginning when Andrew was doing his book that without this, and I think it's an amazing app, I really do, love it. Thank you. Um, but without, before he developed it and continued to tweak it, he lost track of the feedback from people. How does betterboots.co make sure that all that feedback is available to the author? Sure. Currently, there is basically a place to leave feedback at the end of every chapter and at the end of the book. Anything that is entered into the site by any reader is tagged with that reader as its origin and where it's left. So there's nothing that anyone types on the site that ever gets lost. What was happening specifically with Andrew is that, you know, he had a relationship with many of these readers. And so they would write him an email and they'd say, oh, you know, my kids are doing great. The, you know, we just got a puppy. The weather here is fine. Oh, and chapter three, I, I liked this thing, but you need to change blah, blah, blah. And so he couldn't go through every email and look for that specific thing, and it got lost. So to avoid that and make sure no feedback ever gets lost, we collect it all on the app and then provide a sorting tool for it for the authors afterwards. So after all the feedback is gathered, or even as it's being gathered, the author can go in and then search by chapter, by reader. They can also mark it for workflow so they can say, oh, this feedback is good. I want to keep it. I want to consider it. It's been done. I've already done it to do uh, or ignore it. And they can also search all their feedback. So say they want to know if a joke was funny or if it's a comedy, the word funny. So they can search all their feedback for the word funny all at once. 
Or say if you have a group of five readers who are really good at character critique versus five readers who are really good at structure. You can say, I just want to look at these five readers, search for every time they mention the protagonist. So you can search for the protagonist, Jack, from Kath- Kathleen, Dennis, Mark, and Sarah. It really becomes quite an integral part for the author in formatting where they want that manuscript to go. Yeah, and the, and the hope is is that by making it so easy, you can do it faster. A lot of information just slows things down, and the beta can be used for a bunch of other things besides editorial. And so once you make the beta less time-consuming, maybe then the author can get more out of it or interact with the readers more or go back and say, hey, in Chapter 3, you, you mentioned this, and I would love some more clarification. And so then authors have the time as opposed to just sorting and kind of slogging through all this feedback. And you mentioned there's a free entry point for one of the books for, for trying it and seeing if it works for the author. Yeah. Do people generally do that route first before going on to the page? Yeah, the, the way it's set up right now is uh, if you show up at the site, you can sign up, you can upload a book, you can invite three readers. And we encourage everyone to do that because it's a piece of technology and take some time to learn and get comfortable with. And you know, once you start paying, we like you to get the most out of it you can. So learn how it works for free is, is great. We do have some people that show up and an hour fiddling around and then just sign up for the, the full package. But, but the way it's tiered now is you can invite three readers for free. And then once you want to invite more, you can you pay for 15 for up to 20 readers and 35 for unlimited readers, unlimited books on both those tiers. One of the reasons we did that is because a lot of authors who were starting off with their first beta Finding a a writer's circle or a a critique circle of about four people through something like uh, the Novel Exchange or Critique Circle or one of those online communities is pretty common. And so we want them to be able to go through a beta cycle with a couple other authors. And when it's your first book, you're learning how the process works. You're learning who you are as an author. And we want to be able to provide a tool that people can use for free when they're still kind of getting their feet wet. I love the way that you and Andrew have given it the flexibility for authors so that when you're on a paid monthly cycle, when your book finishes and if there's a gap between that and your next book, you can, do you call it suspend the account? Or put Sus- it on suspend hold? the account, put it on hold, yeah. So essentially when you suspend your account, the only thing that really changes is that readers can no longer read and leave. So that means that if you have finished your beta essentially and you are going to take a month to edit and go through the feedback, that's a different process than, you know, we don't have a problem with people saying, well, I'm just going to put my account on hold until I need to invite new readers. That's that's very much how we designed it and envisioned it going because, I mean, the beta, the average beta takes about six weeks. There's no reason that you shouldn't beta your book and publish your book and then come back and beta your next book and you don't have to pay for... Do people usually do that one version or do they put a second version up? It varies dramatically by author. Uh, there's some authors who have uh, put up multiple versions and invited new readers for every version. There's some authors who put two or three versions up and use the same readers and get them to read the same readers over and over. It's, it's very much a preference for work, work process. Depends on how much you want to edit and how much you want people to read. Do you think there's an art to beta reading? That's an interesting question. I think there is a real strong relational element to, to beta reading. I think some people are better at it than others, but I think that depends on what the reader and the author together are looking for. So the people with the most successful beta teams seem to have a very clear line of communication about expectations and over time have have kind of formed a bond where the readers 
know what they get out of the work the author is putting out, so what they like about that author's work. And the author has also told them, kind of in clear terms, what they would like to hear or what areas they would like to have critique or feedback on. And I think over time, that just becomes a better relationship. The author has a responsibility to to guide and direct the kind of formation of a group, just like the readers have get enjoyment out of being a part of that process. That but the sense. readers don't get in touch with one another. They just stay with the relationship between them and the author. Uh, well, that's actually up to the author. On the site, there are two main options. One is for all feedback to remain private just for the author. So just the author sees feedback. The other option is that people can see other people's feedback after they have left their own feedback. So we don't want anyone to be able to read other people's feedback before they give an honest assessment. But after they've given an assessment, then the author has the option to share everyone's feedback. And what we found is a lot of authors say, when I was doing this over email and everyone was separated, it was a very different feel. And now that everyone can see each other's feedback, see the different things that they call out, are impacted by, or don't like. It builds a much stronger sense of a community, as opposed to having a bunch of beta readers. They feel like they have a beta team or beta community. That's something that I think Andrew and I both suspected, but really enjoyed seeing play out over time with a number of authors coming back and saying, oh, it was great. Like, I feel like we're all part of this group now, as opposed to it was just me kind of talking with a bunch of people I had met online. Community building is a big aspect of your site, isn't it? Yeah. So Betabooks is all private. So we're not providing readers for people. So it's not a place for authors to come and find people who want to beta read. It's a private application where authors can, can manage a community. And so authors need to go out and find those people, you know, and authors find readers hundreds of ways. I mean, a lot of people go to Goodreads, Reddit, Facebook, Twitter, and some people go to their local writing clubs and just talk to their friends and family or their Different newsletters. Forums, yeah. Forums, yeah. Is there a misunderstanding sometimes about what betabook.co is about and that people think it's a reader service? Uh, from time to time, that is something that comes up. As far as I know, we're the first kind of reader management software that's out there. And so that conversation is something that Andrew and I have with a lot of people where we say, we're not going to provide you with a bunch of readers to read your book. Because for both of us, through conversations with established authors and new authors who are going through this process, one of the things that we see as most important for especially new writers is figuring out how they can sell their book essentially to the first three or four or five people and get them to read and invite them and, and learn how it is they're going to sell their books and start building the people that are going to support them as authors. And so we've written about it on our blog. We talk about it a fair amount. We're working up that transition from a person in private writing to being an author who has to uh, promote them, their work and kind of overcome for a lot of authors this reluctance to tell people that what they have done is worth reading and worth someone's time. That's right. It is that building of self-confidence because I always say you know, writing a book is like a pregnancy. You really, it's about you and the creation and the creating of the characters and the storyline or the facts and the figures and printing is the birth. But then you've got the parenting which carries on for years and years and years. Definitely. And that is the marketing and all the bits which some authors think, I oh, that's the hardest bit. I came to write, I didn't come to market. But if you want people to read your books, that's part and parcel of the game, isn't it? Yeah. Well and Andrew and I frequently talk about the difference between writers and authors. And if if the thing you want to be doing is writing, there's I mean there's literally hundreds of, of places you can write. But the transition from being a writer to an author is is when you set up that second group of skills and that second kind of goal of 
of getting people to invest in your words just for the value of your words, not because, you know, you're writing technical specs for software or something like that. And that's something that Andrew and I are really passionate about because being on the internet, I mean, a lot of the people we deal with are, are new authors who are maybe writing their second or third novel. And this is the one that it's probably ready for people providing a place for them to create a, the best version of that book and then go from this beta to maybe springboard into querying or self-publishing. That's, that's really, real joyful thing for Andrew and I to see. We want to provide an environment that nurtures the skills that authors are going to need to succeed, not shortcut things that we know are valuable. Okay. So do you work full time? Andrew and I both have day jobs. Andrew is a programmer in San Francisco, and I am a freelance film production on-set person here in North Carolina. So how much time do you have to give to the better books? Or is it, is it the, the fact that the program is working well, people are using it, and therefore it ticks along on its, on its own? No, we, we, we probably both put in about 20 hours a week in the evenings. Or because I'm freelance, I will occasionally have a free day here and there. Spend most most days on Saturdays. One or both of us are doing work on the site. Um, I do a lot of emailing between breaths, but I, I would say it's between ten and twenty hours a week. I mean, if we could be full time, and that's the hope one day soon, things would probably change much faster. But right now, it's something that's a passion project for both of us, and so we're chipping away at it. I think your passion comes over, and the thing I've liked is that from the first email to you and to Andrew, you, it's come back, and it's not just been a human response, it's been a humorous human response, <laughs> and it's just been so lovely to engage with you, you, just from that first, you know, what's all this really about, and you must get the same questions again and again, and yet each time you come back with you know, an answer so clearly, so thank well, you for that. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for, for saying that you like that. I mean, Andrew and I, when we started, so we have our front page and we wrote a very dry kind of version of what it was looking at everyone else's software pages. And then we had it up for a week and we were, we were both kind of disgusted with ourselves because it didn't accurately reflect either, either of our personalities. And so we went back and we started adding jokes in and that kind of stuff. We felt much better that it was a, a more, more human and, and more true to who we both are. And, and one of us writes uh, an email to every author who comes to the site just saying, hey, welcome, and if you have any questions, we will answer them and be happy to hear feedback and stuff like that. And that's been how we've learned what to do next, really, on the site. So that's not an automated email. It's a nope. personal one. Yeah. Is that irrespective of whether it's the free account or the, or the um, paid account? Yeah. Whenever someone signs up, they can say they're, uh, they're coming as an author. Um, and it's free to sign up, so authors come in and sign up all the time. And then authors also will obviously will invite their readers, and readers can indicate if they are also a writer um, when they get invited. Generally speaking, if they indicate that they are both a reader and a writer or an author, I or Andrew write them a quick personalized email. I mean, it's, it's a similar email and some of it's like, hey, welcome. I'm Andrew. I'm, I'm Paul. I live in North Carolina. Andrew lives in San Francisco. But they're all personalized. We write them all. We send them out. Now you've got another site, which is your podcast site called howauthorswork.com. Yeah. How does that interact with betabooks.co? When we were starting out, one of the pieces of wisdom that almost every kind of tech company or company in general will say is just start talking to your customers. And we found that to be extremely helpful. So we started setting up phone calls with authors who were on the site. And they would often last an hour, an hour and a half. And they were really enjoyable for Andrew and I. We were doing them separately. And then we would hang up and we would call each other and be like, oh, I just had a great conversation. And they mentioned this and this. And oh, did you, did you know they were doing this on the site? And da, 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 da. 
And we discovered that there was so much we wanted to tell other people that we were learning in those conversations. We were like, well, why don't we just both be on the same call and record them and release them? So that's what we started doing. So we, we had probably done, I want to say, maybe a dozen of these calls before we decided to start recording them. And we just discovered so much about how authors were working and how they were baiting and what subtle tricks they were doing and how authors are, are getting to the same destination in so many varied ways. So one of the people we interviewed handwrites all of her books uh, longhand in different ink. Her first edit is when she transcribes them into her computer and then she destroys the pages so she can't go back and second guess her first edit. Other people we talk to are doing most of their writing on their mobile phone when they'll go for a jog and then they'll stop and they'll write and they'll go for another, they'll jog a little bit more and they'll write. And so there was just so many varied ways that people were doing things at that point. And the other thing we wanted to figure out is after someone finishes a novel, between that kind of the end and publishing, it gets real amorphous for a lot of people. There's copy edits, developmental edits, uh, typesetting, beta reading, critique circles, writers groups. And we just kind of were curious what people were doing in that phase of development. And so we started asking very specific questions about, okay, got your first draft done. Now, what happens to that file next? Do you edit it? Does it go to a reader? Does it go to an editor? And we found that that was also extremely idiosyncratic and specific and that people had made decisions for very smart reasons that were specific to most authors that we talked to. And it's just been very fascinating and enjoyable for us. Have books always been important to you in your life? Yeah. So my parents were big on reading. Uh, so I was given Hardy Boy books and the Chronicles of Narnia and the Lord of the Rings and the Indian in the Cupboard, Princess and the Goblin. Lloyd Alexander, like a, a bunch of those kind of books when I was younger, and I really enjoyed them. And it just kind of continued on through adulthood. I think Stephen King said to be a good author, you have to also be a good reader. He's written a book called On Writing. And yeah. within that, it was very much, you must read as well as write, yeah. because the two inform each other. And I, I would be curious why you would want to write if you didn't if you didn't enjoy the medium that your final product will exist in. I, I can imagine being someone who's writing something nonfiction to, to overcome some massive frustration, say, in your industry, laboring to get it out there. But if being a writer and being an author is something you want to do, I can't imagine why you wouldn't want to read. Now, I just received an email from yourselves, which you talk about a beta reader pool and saying it's going to transition into the PAM beta jam. Yeah. Can you explain what, the, what this is? Because sure. I, I got a bit confused. I'm thinking, what's this got to do with beta reading? Yeah. So in the early days of the site, so we, we spent about a year when we were free to use for everyone. We were just inviting people that we met on the internet. And we ended up with a couple hundred people who had been invited by authors to, to beta read books. And once they finished those books, we started getting emails from them saying, I really like beta reading. I really enjoyed beta reading for so-and-so. I enjoyed using the site. Do you have any other, other books for me to read? And we did have other books for people to read. But we, like I said before, we didn't really want to be a place where we just provided readers for people. We didn't want to give them a shortcut to, to developing their style of selling their book and identifying how to market their book. But we had all these readers who we wanted to keep happy. <laughs> we, we had a, a kind of a, a moment of tension. So what we did is we decided that we would let uh, authors who were already on the site and who already had some people read their books submit their books to uh, basically a jury and choose one or two a month and send them out to this pool of readers. And so we've kept doing that since then. And we called it the beta reader pool for a long time. And we would choose a book or two a month. People would start if they liked it. We chose a bunch of different genres. And people would get anywhere from 5 to 30 people reading their book and giving them feedback. These are published books. 
No, no, these are these, these, these are unpublished books. These are okay. these are books that were that, that arrived at the site to be baited by authors. It was basically a way to keep readers who were enjoying the process happy until the authors that had initially invited them had another book to read. Uh, but we've had a couple other people who liked the idea who said, well, I would love to do this just with romance books. And I, and I have a, a mailing list of 200 people who are on my mailing list. And if, if I could choose a romance book from one of my friends a month, like it would be great. And we could beta reading book clubs, essentially, is what the idea was. And so we had to change the technology a little bit to make that possible. What we did just now is uh, Pam is the person who kind of runs that, that group now. We're looking for probably two or three more people if they want to take on the responsibility of running their own book club finding their own readers, finding a community, and just seeing if that's something that there is a desire for and people want to organize, basically a beta reading book club. And in that situation, I guess the readers will have to talk to one another and discuss the actual book. Mm -hmm. Is the author involved in that or is it just the readers? We're not sure. So we transitioned to this book club idea, this beta, beta book beta book reading book club idea. And so what we're trying to figure out is if there's any interest in someone who wants to run one of these things, you know, we would give them the tools to set it up, then give them basically the power to choose which books, solicit books from people they know or whoever they want. Uh, they would also be responsible for finding their own readers. And so the idea is, is if that's something that there's a desire for, we've talked to a couple of people who are interested in that kind of thing. We want to facilitate that. Just It's a different take on beta reading, I think. It's kind of a crowd beta reading, and we're kind of curious to see how that plays out. But we also know there's a lot of people who maybe could benefit from getting some people's eyes on a, a first novel or a second novel, and then finding out what they need to change for their third novel. Will authors be able to choose then whether they have their own private group or whether they would go into the Ibn's beta jam? Yeah. Or are they so completely the separate... Authors can choose to submit to the to the to the jam. That is, it's it's completely up to authors. We envision most of the stuff staying the way it is. Private authors managing their own groups, but it's just something that that evolved naturally out of out of the reader community, and we wanted to see if other people were involved, interested in, in becoming involved and stuff like that. So authors, there's there's no there's literally no mechanism on the site for people to discover a book unless an author decides to share it with more people. Excellent. I look forward to seeing how that gallops, which should be yeah. really good. Well, Andrew and I have literally no idea what's going to happen there because, I mean, it'll be work for someone if they want to do it. I mean, finding the readers, choosing the books, managing a community, that's all something that someone has to have a passion for. Uh, and we know those people are out there and uh, we know those readers are out there. But that, that is something where we basically built the tools to serve our own needs. But we said once we have this built, why not see if anyone else is interested in, in this thing? So we're both very curious to see what will happen. And you call the people who organize that curators. That's what we've been calling it because there's a lot of places on the internet where you can post your book. Most of them very quickly end up having more books than interested readers. I think part of that is just there's a lot of authors who want people to read. And so the job of curating a book and curating a community, I think, are the two things that are essential to make something like that work. And so we've been calling them curators, yeah. Well, thank you very much, Paul. This has been fascinating, not just seeing the journey of betterbooks.co, but really getting a feel for beta reading and what it means to the author. So I thank you for that. And we watch with interest. I'll yeah. put the links you know, in the blurb, both for howauthorswork.com as well as the betterbooks.co. Yeah. I emphasize there's an S on the end of beta book. Books. So it's beta yeah. books. 
dot co dot co because there are others out there and would hate people to go to the wrong place we really would yeah and if people have questions uh, Andrew and I both answer questions at hello at betabooks.co and we're happy to talk to people uh, have you betaed any of your books I haven't yet. I've got one that I'm trying to get around to, how to author a book, actually. Oh, fantastic. That's on. I've been a beta reader, which is how I came across Mm -hmm. the site in the first place, through a friend who's had his book up there. Uh, I listened to to the podcast. It was wonderful. But we've just finished a a children's book, which is this one, and it's all of 28 pages and probably about 100 words, if that. So it didn't seem worth putting through the beta reader (laughs) system. I will get there. I'm certainly planning to. And as a publisher, I'm also encouraging and will encourage my authors to use this route. It's just really interesting when you're saying about a six-week window on how you plan that in your schedule because usually you've written it and you're just in a hurry to get it proofread and edited. I know some authors, while it's off doing that, put it through the beta system as well so that when all the corrections come through they've got and the comments from the beta readers as well. Six weeks tends to be the average. I mean we've seen people do it in 10 days. We have one author who gathered about 60 people from his mailing list. He gave them a survey. He basically made it a a contest of some sorts. He has about 15 people who finish a book and give him feedback within about five days. Depending on, on how you structure it, it can be done a number of different ways. Uh, There's an author who writes and posts two chapters a day, and he gets about 10 people who read those chapters that day. Then he takes that feedback and uses it for his first editorial pass with his developmental editor. There's, there's all kinds of ways to do it. We encourage people to get creative and find ways to make it work that fits into their workflow. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for your time, and I look forward to seeing how things go. Yeah, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this podcast all about books. Such a passion for me. So much so, if you have got a book in you, a dream to write a book, I can help you. I can coach you through it. I can mentor you and I can lay out your book so it's so beautiful that when you print it out, you just can't wait to show it to your friends and sell it on to wonderful customers. Ladyady.com. Contact me. Email me. Lady at ladyady.com and let's see if we've got a match to make a book your dream book come true how would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.